We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi, how are you? Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We, like to have this, we also like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our found commentary tracks, or something a little bit different, maybe some thoughts on the news of the day, or whatever else might be on our mind, and that is what we're doing this evening. We, uh... We don't have a main review specifically this week, although we got some movies. We I think we've highlight. got a yeah. We got some things we want to highlight. We're gonna have sure. some in-depth discussion on a few yeah. movies, <laughs> but you know, compared to like the summer blockbusters that sure. are coming out, we, we don't have like a main thing. There's no guest this week. It's just Abe and I chatting up some movies. <laughs> um, so, but we do have some things we certainly do want to get to. Um, but one of those main things will be, of course, our thoughts on Marcel the Shell with shoes on, a, a film that's inexplicably on Abe's uh, summer gamble list. Uh, (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) We're also apparently going to have some thoughts on where the crawdad sings because it could could not resist talking about this movie. (laughs) I mean, it is one of the largest releases of the week. It it is. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so we're going to get to all that and we're going to have some plenty of other stuff to go over as well. First up, let's get through some show notes here. Um, first up, new commentary track. We recorded a track for Air Force One featuring Harrison Ford as the president Woo! of the United States, as the poster states. Um, so that that was fun. Um, myself, Brandon, Yancey, and uh, Mark Hoffmeyer all joined for that commentary track. It's up on iTunes now where you can find all of our episodes uh, just by searching out now with Aaron on iTunes. And if you did that, you'd find all those episodes, including said commentary track. And there's even a tab for rating and reviews, which will be wonderful to have. So if you want to log on to iTunes, search for us and click that tab and do just that thing, that'd be great. Yeah, give us a rating and review uh, and think in advance. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. Pop us up in the old iTunes charts. <laughs> um, what else? Well, of course, speaking of the summer gamble, as I did multiple sentences ago, uh, <laughs> we have to do an update on where things are. Uh-huh. Uh, this is, of course, where Abe and I, along with many guests of the show, have predicted what we think are going to be the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer at the domestic box office. And, of course, movies are making money uh, every week here during the summer. And some ones are making a lot more than some others. But let's start with the big thing that we were certainly curious about, where Thor is headed. Last week, Thor came out open to, you know, a pretty solid number. Uh, but as many Marvel films do, this one took a substantial drop in its second weekend. Uh, substantial is key for a movie like Thor Love and Thunder because it dropped 68%, which is a record wow. drop. Um, it's not necessarily bad or good. The film still grossed $233 million in like 14 days. So you know, it's not that to scoff at. Uh, but I mean, it's a, it's a sizable drop. But, you know, the, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see what the legs do to carry it uh, through the rest of the summer because there's not a lot in that kind of realm for a while as far as what that movie's doing. And what audiences you know, certainly hoping for the best because it's my number two movie of the summer. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, Minions uh, still continue to make money. It makes another twenty six million for its mm-hmm. second week. Or it's a uh, it's um, third weekend. Uh, it's at two sixty two million so far. Two sixty two. Okay, two sixty two. Pretty solid. Yeah, it's only you know it's not dropping very much, um, and it'll you know continue to be what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the Crawdad Sing hit number three this week for its debut, uh, seventeen million. Um, I think some of us had this in our our dark horses. I don't think anyone, maybe one person had it as a like a maybe a number ten or something spot like okay. that. But uh, decent debut for a movie like this, and we'll you know just see if the word of mouth carries it to keep going. Yeah, uh, Top Gun is number four this week. 
uh, drops about 23% at 617 total for, uh, domestic. It's just, I mean, it's just a, that is not a number that I thought uh, it was actually going to hit. Well, so I was thinking like, maybe it's going to cap off for something. Yeah. 617 domestic. That's domestic. incredible. It is incredible and will not be matched um, yeah. for anytime soon. Um, fifth oh, place. By the way, just off the yep. top of your head, do you know when the last time something like that made that kind of money? Not like just any movie. Not well, not just like a summer movie. I mean, it's Star Wars and Avengers uh, by default. Endgame? The, both of them, but yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, okay, so like a couple of years ago. Well, before the pandemic, but, pandemic, but, but certainly when you have, you know, Star Wars movies, let alone the Avengers movies, they're they're doing big. I mean, sure, sure. if yeah. you want to talk about like movies that weren't like automatic wins, like you, you look at Star Wars and Avengers, and you're like, yeah, that's going to make money. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like Jurassic World was a surprise, but it certainly made a ton of money. Like it certainly came out and just went like, wow, this, this yeah. is like it really rocked the house as far as the- I think everybody really, was expecting that because it came in 2015, the same year as Avengers Age of Ultron. And people figure that Age of Ultron will be the biggest movie of the summer. I think most of us did on our gamble. Yeah. And Jurassic World certainly reminded me. I would say that's why I'd say it's compared to Top Gun because it's like a nostalgia, like, hey, it's a sequel to a classic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't think people had that kind of like thought, like, can it do that well? And it did. It did do that well. And so yeah. I'd say that's like in the same kind of realm as okay. far as something that you pre- you for sure would be a hit, but you didn't realize how you didn't big think it was going to be that large. Yeah. yeah. Got it. So in that regard, you know. Um, and then like some of like the Disney remakes or like, you know, like Aladdin made a whole lot more yeah, money than I think any yeah. of us thought. But I think, yeah, exactly. It's but yeah, like, I think, I think the, I think the Jurassic, be Jurassic example, I think is a pretty fitting one. Got it. Yeah. Um, Elvis has crossed a hundred million domestic, which is pretty great for Elvis. Um, that is. I thought I was going to do better, but you know, yeah, still hundred million is doing pretty good. Yeah. But... Yeah. Nothing to scoff at. It's more, more than money than I have in the bank, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for the move, I mean, that's just domestic. I'm sure it's, doing pretty well what is the worldwide number i'm just curious about this 185 82 oh wow 185 it's not even like it's opened everywhere yet so i mean yeah yeah, yeah. for in in this time of in this time of uh in this age of movie going that's that's pretty (laughs) that's that's pretty strong um let's see pause of fury was the other new release this week and Mm -hmm. that pretty much came dead on arrival with six million oh black phone 72 world or total uh domestics uh, still you know doing its thing yeah, seventy-two domestic, but total is like a hundred million. Totals, yeah, it's something like yeah. that. I think. It's... I mean, great job. I mean, again, their budget was like what, yeah. 15, 18 million. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's not expensive. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, every every week is is good for the black. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic. Even hot swimming in dough. Jurassic World is three fifty nine uh, domestic. Still, you know, it's making money. Uh, three five nine. Okay. Three five nine, meaning that it's coming up short of doctor strange at, right at, at the rate that it's going so, it's so right now it would be top gun maverick doctor strange and then jurassic world yes yeah okay yeah because i i don't see minions catching up <laughs> to doctor strange yeah. so. they, they just had like a really front-loaded you know yeah gentle minions weekend and exactly um mrs harris goes to bears cool. million in the bank <laughs> yeah um light years at 115 so is that an ouch or i, I mean it's it, it's not that it's places not, it in like the bottom half of uh, 150 yeah it's certainly not going to be in the top of the five summer of the summer yeah. it's going to be in the bottom five of the summer 
Yeah. And for a Pixar movie, yes, that's not that's not good. <laughs> that's, that's that's the bottom line. There, it's just not a good yeah. tool for it. Um, but Marcel Deschel, number eleven this week. Let's go. <laughs> uh, because it increased like a hundred screens. It's made a whopping one point six million dollars so far. Hey, we're we're one sixth of the way to uh, Pause of Fury. Sure, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did. I did that. So yeah. I wanted to get all the way to Marcel. <laughs> so there we, so Thank there we you. Are. We, we got there. Thank you for including my dark horse. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see where things go uh, throughout the summer as we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So I, we wanted to talk about uh, a few new trailers this yes. week. There's certainly, yeah. you know, trailers coming now. We can't get all of them all the time. But, hey, we have an opportunity here to talk about some stuff. So uh, we wanted to start with, uh, with one that um, – certainly caught a lot of attention this week it's for rob zombie's adaptation of the monsters mm-hmm. um rob zombie is a noted monsters fan he is a huge fan of the monsters um so I, I will just say when it was announced that he was going to be making a monsters film i wouldn't say i'd be i was jumping over the walls but i'm like compared to those that are just like ah, he'll just go with our with swears and do his country thing like he's been doing and i'm just in there thinking the guy loves the monsters i think you just make a monsters movie <laughs> like i mean i, I think he, I, any any director i think knows how to like curb their you know their way of doing things uh, when it comes to adapting certain kinds of properties it's the same reason like i look at every time tarantino says he's gonna do a star trek movie and i'm thinking well he probably just make a star trek movie. <laughs> like he's yeah. just, doesn't need to be laced with with, with, with swears once again just and to, who doesn't <laughs> and who even knows maybe he's already like punched up a bunch of their scripts as well yeah i mean it's all dead on arrival at this point with star trek like it's a, it's a it's a weird yeah. world over at paramount as far as what they want to do with that property but their tv shows seem to be working but um so this monsters thing yes uh after you know waiting a while to actually see that this thing come to fruition it's now been really a trailer has now been released um came out this week i know it's like a, a simultaneous release. it's going to be like on peacock and in theaters at the same time okay um yeah, all of this to say because <laughs> i want to hear what you think of the trailer i no, was please go yeah i was quite underwhelmed by the trailer uh-huh. uh which i found to be unfortunate because i you know, generally was looking forward to seeing what this vision would look like as far as sure. Rob Zombie taking on something like this, which is decidedly different for him. So it's in the similar realm as like Eli Roth making the house of the clock in its walls as far as like a director known for having a certain kind of hardcore take on things to yeah. go in a PG direction. And yeah, like as much as I like the, you know, the stills of him making making the film or whatnot, like seeing this thing in action, it just doesn't look very good from this trailer now it's a trailer i mean maybe it's just a bad trailer but i don't know i i'm not mm-hmm. i wasn't thrilled by what i was seeing it looked rather cheap honestly uh, mm-hmm. which is a shame mm-hmm. uh, but how about you where would you think of the, the monsters trailer i i didn't know what to expect because i didn't know that this was a, a property and it was coming back out and um you know i'm familiar with the monsters growing up the when we did in like the, the 80s and 90s um they were they were around you know we, we knew of them like sure. they weren't there weren't new episodes but we definitely knew who herman munster was and we kind of knew like all the goofiness and the hijinks and the the introductions of the credits because we've seen the uh replicated either in the simpsons or in other popular culture television mm-hmm. and you know one day as i do in the morning and twitter is the my favorite app and i'm just <laughs> scrolling through mm-hmm. and i was like oh what is this Mer- monsters trailer like this is from Rob Zombie. This is this is a treat. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't sure what this was, and I was watching it. And I was like, oh wow, this is um this is the monster trailer. This is kind of fun. 
yeah, I'm watching it and, you know, really feeling it. And I was like, you know, I, I like that. It looks like it's like, you know, made from in his backyard with like, yeah, uh, like, you know, a handheld camcorder, a high quality handheld camcorder. Oh, it's got his wife in it. You know, it looks like Dylan Baker, but that's not Dylan Baker as Herman Munster. <laughs> uh, and then you're going along and you're like, oh, there's still like a minute and a half left of this trailer. And you just keep watching and you're just like, oh, okay, there's still more trailer of this. And as I continue to watch it, my my interest in it was just like, it was waning, but also I was just like, is this a real movie? Like, did he actually make this? And note, I, I want to highly note that you and I, uh, we recognize that movies are hard to make. Sure. We also recognize that like, you know, if you're going for something, I think Aaron and I are really adept in approaching movies and being like, I totally knew what that guy was going for. Like the example that I would think about is Wonder Woman 84 was like, I totally know what she was going for. It just didn't really come off the bat that well. Sure. But you know, like the campiness and like whatever it's like, you're watching this trailer. And I was like, I, when I got to the end of it, I was like, I don't know how I, I don't think that this is a good trailer. I don't think this is a good movie. I'm willing to eat my words if sure. we go and watch this. Yeah. But I was just like, I was just really feeling that it just kept dragging and I was just thinking to myself, I don't know really what this is. Like, I I like that it has Lily, Lily Munster kind of looking for Herman Munster. Yeah, it's like, like an origin story. Yeah, as an far origin as story of stories. Goes, yeah. But to your point, like the visuals just really were just out. And then I also was just thinking to myself, I mean, if this is the final edit cut, it's like, you're going to watch like an hour and a half of this at least. Like, that's a long movie. It's like, it's, it might be a long time. So... I was just thinking that, you know, it was a not even a roller coaster ride. It was like it was like um, a Superman ride where you're just like on six flags where you get boosted up right away and then you just falling back down, you know. So Yeah, I mean it, it it I honestly thought I clicked the wrong trailer at a certain point. I'm like, okay, this can't be the right one. It's gotta be like this. So it's like, it was just I, I was fascinating. Thinking, yeah. It just gave me just a like a just an odd feel. And it's like it's weird because there's like there was a teaser trailer that's like 30 seconds but it was more effective than this whole trailer was that sure as far as just giving you a certain kind of idea of what the look they're going for is but this just mm-hmm. yeah it really deflated me as far as like what to expect from this thing i i hope that it's better than what's being presented here but it just felt like every every beat of this trailer felt like it was missing the punchline to like wrap up you know the individual scenes it was trying to show it's that's like, an interesting point and i what what's uh what's rob zombie's last few movies do you know uh what were his last few movies he um like was it was anything like of note or well he made the stuff with halloween no he had, he has had more since halloween okay. he, he had um let's see what's it called it's the um because he made a three from hell that's right the sequel to devil's rejects which i really like okay yeah the, yeah, yeah. Devil's rejects three from hell not very good yeah uh, he made a movie called 31 which I never saw, but I didn't okay. hear great things about it. But he made like the Lords of Salem, which I really liked actually. I think it might arguably that was like a while ago, right? That's 2012 at this point. So. Oh, that that's a long that's 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So it's to, like like his last few is at least Lords of Salem is 2012, 31 is 2016, and three from hell is 2019. Got it. Okay. So you know. So it, it hasn't been a while, but it's also been a while. Yeah, I mean he comes out every like three or four years to make a movie, which is it is what it is. And right. I, I know is his style is 
there, there's a lot of like back and forth as far as how much people would appreciate what zombie does more sure. in the, more in the more in the more in the hate section though i do think a lot of people have come around on some of his films over the years mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it i i want to hope for the best that i well i just have to kind of see at this point so, yeah. yeah we're gonna wait and see i guess but it, uh i mean you have like a note here too like a monsters versus the adams family yeah like in the trailer, it's just like, oh, the greatest love story ever told, or you know, the the greatest not the greatest love story ever told, but something about like the the best on screen chemistry or romance. And I, I exactly in that thought, I was like, I think that's Morticia and Gomez Adams, isn't it? Like, well, there's they the have thing, like a, right? a really rocking like quote unquote dead you know dead family vibe uh, love, and it's very apparent in all the films and all, all even like the um the animated movies where they've had two of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. Obviously, obviously, there's always been this kind of like, I don't know if it's an intense rivalry as far as fans go, but there's certainly <laughs> like fans that like the Adams family, fans that like the Munsters. Yeah, uh, they have similarities and they have differences. But like, sure, you got Adams family movies that look fantastic. Now they are granted they're made in a certain kind of time where, right, budgets were put into movies like that, especially when you you know the first one's a success, and so it's like, yeah, let's make a sequel and go even bigger and wilder with it. And Barry Sonnenfeld. Yeah did a really good job of creating a visually arresting movie hey man um i watched a movie late like not like super late but i watched it probably when i was like eight or nine um and it had been up for like at least like three or four years at that point i laughed my ass off and i still do when the, the, i watch barry sonnenfeld's first adam's family movie the first one because like the first the, one because the sequel is one of the best the sequel is the sequel's hilarious as well I the sequel is like, one of the best comedy sequels of all time period yeah. <laughs> but i just remember like watching that as a child the adam's family part one and i was just laughing almost every sequence like everything is so good like the humor is really on brand and like offbeat as well but there's just so many like visual gags and visual jokes um and then you know i still recall lines to this day um not like recall them and like remember them but i still use them in real life every now and again mm-hmm. um just like you know i'll sometimes say, say like, hey i hate when you stutter if somebody's like tamping their hands it's like it's just come on let's go so yeah i just i i i, I don't know what the what the pull is here beyond the fact that rob zombie made a monsters movie and yeah so i i hope that something emerges you know more positive than, than what's been presented so far we'll see i mean again we're, we're happy to eat our words but are they made from real girl scouts <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of like filmmakers that have had questionable periods of, of time uh with their <laughs> yes. with, with their output in recent years uh we had a trailer for clerks three mm-hmm. uh recently arrive uh, this is of course the third clerks film from director writer kevin smith Clerks is something that's always been like dear and dear to him, obviously, because it's, you know, the first one was his launch into movie world. And two was very personal as well for him. And three certainly seems to be going that way as well, since it's directly referencing things that have happened to Smith. And this film based on the trailer, uh, the Randall character, he has a heart attack, much like Kevin Smith did. And he decides that he wants to make a movie about him and him and Dante and their lives at the quick stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's more to it than just that, but I mean, it's a return of all the characters from the various Clerks films, which includes Rosario Dawson and, of course, Jay and Silent Bob. Um, and it's introducing, you know, it's introducing this whole meta element as far as yes, the Clerks making a movie about Clerks. <laughs> I, 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 I like. I am a Kevin Smith fan as far mm-hmm. as I like hearing the guy talk. 
Mm-hmm. I don't listen to him nearly as much as I might have used to. Like I don't listen to his his, his podcasts anymore. Right. Um, and I don't necessarily need to hear him shilling for DC all the time. But uh-huh. I, but I like I do generally enjoy and <laughs> enjoy the guy. Um, it, but as a filmmaker, though, I've really been turned off by the movies he's made in the in the past few years. Sure. Um, he he made it with those horror movies. He made Tusk and Yoga Hosers, which I think were both awful. And he made Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which is exactly that. It's, it was a copy of Jay and Silent Bob with updated versions of characters or whatnot. And I thought it was pretty dreadful. Um, mm-hmm. So watching this trailer, while the kernels of good ideas are there, much like the monsters, I'm just, I'm so far not feeling it. I, 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 I by default, I will be seeing Clerks 3 because I'm a very big fan of Clerks and Clerks okay. 2. Um, but sure. like, I just I'm really hoping against hope that the the Kevin Smith that made those other movies and a lot of little other movies that I do enjoy of his is is present and not the one that's made his last few movies. Yeah, I haven't seen a full Kevin Smith movie since Dogma, um, and this is not by like design or whatever. So it's just more because you know, like while you might have some advanced screening, like I'll usually catch it like the opening week of things um, and or on the back half of things and i just haven't really been too too enthralled by what he's been been making here like you know not to criticize an artist but it's like more just like i don't know if there's really um any sort of like meaning behind like what he's trying to make these days and not to say that you have to have a ton of meaning but you know when i'm watching something like dogma where it has like uh, religious allegory and it has like you know Alanis Morissette as as the one and only uh and then Chasing Amy which is one of my favorite movies of his um has like really interesting dialogue with um with uh, Ben Affleck and I forget who plays Amy but uh, oh, yeah, yeah uh and then you know obviously Mall Rats everyone can can there's like probably movie nights where people just like quote the entirety of Mall Rats as they're watching it you know it's one of those it's one of those like cult favorites now and then Clerks right but for this one, I, I got the same feeling you did got. And I was like, I don't know. Like, is there a meta element that he's just like, oh, this is funny if I were to to kind of like um, characterize my life this way and, and talk about it um, through the lens of another lens kind of thing. It's like, it might be pretty cool if I did that. It's like, if it works out, then fantastic. But I also, I mean, I have a question here. Just like, who's this for? Like, like did anybody really, really want this? And then I didn't see part two, but I didn't finish it. But it's like, does it end off in a way that I was just like, oh, well, you know, definitely room for part three. But I think in large part, I, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't super into it, but I appreciate what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you have like this property of yours, you know, these characters, you wrote them uh, additionally or for the first time, like back in like what, 93, 94. Um, mm-hmm. And here you are with them. Like they're still around and you still want to make movies because you're, you're passionate about making movies. But yeah, like I just don't know like what, what I'm supposed to kind of get from it because everything has kind of just been, you, you named like yoga horses, which I didn't even watch. And then Tusk, which I was like kind of interested in. And then I was just like, okay, I, I don't think I need to finish this. Um, and I just haven't really been super into Kevin Smith, but well, I don't know. I'll like, say this about the clerk. I mean, with clerks too, specifically, as mm-hmm. far as what I mean, there is meaning there. It's a much like not as good, but I mean, although um, clerks is pretty great. Um, the before series of Linklater, like it's checking in on a certain stage of the life, and that's sure. what that's what clerks two is doing. Clerks two is two thousand six. It's coming 
you know, over 10 years after the first clerks. Yeah. And it's Smith reflecting on where things have gone for him through these characters. That's what clerks three appears to be doing as well. And I just, I hope it's successful in doing that from a story standpoint. I don't think there's, I, I don't think I'm, I'll be unaware of what he's trying to accomplish and why he wanted to make this movie. Uh, it's it's his execution that I'm curious about, hmm. uh, especially because the the meta element that he's going for. He just did that in Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and mm-hmm. it's and it wasn't good. <laughs> so it's like he's also I, done it before, like in like a previous Jay and Silent Bob, where with like the Matt Damon stuff again. That, the that, stuff. That, there's a lot of like, like there's all there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of in joke stuff in, right. the, in the first Jay and Silent Bob. The reboot is just like we're doing the exact literally the exact same movie just with slightly different characters and it's like sure. there's an idea there that's interesting but like again from an execution standpoint it was just awful okay so, and like clerks three this is a Lionsgate movie yet it's only having like a fathom events screening and then he's doing the road show thing that he's been doing for his movie yeah i was actually gonna ask you i was like i don't know like do you know who's funding his movies um if he, is he self-funding well he has like, I mean, Lionsgate he has, is there then it's a Lionsgate okay. thing but i mean if it was a I, I hate to like picture it this way, but it's like if it, if it's the third Clerks movie and it has a studio, I, if it's you know worthwhile, one would think you'd put it in a bunch of theaters and not just a two night Fathom event and road showing it across the country. Mm-hmm. Now it's tricky because well he's choosing this, so I'm not sure if <laughs> I'm not sure if it's literally just a I've decided to go this way with it and that's all or the writings on the wall and Lionsgate's like we don't need to put this in theaters we'll just like Smith do whatever we want like I don't know what to t- I don't know what to think I hear what you're saying <laughs> there. I also yeah because I, I know that I mean the last roadshow that I saw was you know uh the hateful eight um and that was by design from Quentin where he's just like I really want everyone to see it in 70 millimeter so I've even had this roadshow kind of thing but, but I was still did, also like in mass release and just a totally yeah, to yeah, totally, town, like, yeah exactly because yeah. once the roadshow was over it just got released wide um, so you can see it in any theater um, in format, like, whether it's a uh, film or um, yeah. or digital. But I think that the the question I would have here is just more of like, yeah, is it one of those things where Kevin Smith is just like, this is important to me because I just really want to hold on to these things? Or is it something that I actually feel like it's going to do fairly well? You know what I mean? Like, is this going to be a commercial success? Like, am I back? Or is it just one of those things where he's so dogged about these things you mentioned his his off um, off director sort of persona, and this is not to get into like his personal life or whatever the case is, but yeah, I mean, like I don't listen to his podcast as much anymore. Um, I also definitely like I laughed when you said like you know whenever he's like DC fanboying out, I was like he also makes really terrible choices with some of the movies that you and I have not liked from DC, where he's just like this is like the best movie. It's like um, you know, Batman versus Superman was not very good, man. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope that it isn't one of those things where he's just really, really uh, high on himself and is not self-aware. But I'm glad that he's back. I'm glad that he's still doing stuff because it's cool to see everybody come out and and support him. Like, you know, his old his old uh, castmates from the the early days, you know, Rosario that, Dawson doesn't have to do this. But she does it. And that is, that, that is the thing that's like keeping me going as far as compared to Jay and Silent Bob reboot. This does have like people in it. Like sure. it, you know, it's not Jay Muse and him leading the movie. It's, it's the, it's, uh, it's, um, 
<laughs> what's his name? <laughs> Who? Uh, Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson, the guys that play the clerks, let alone Rosario oh, Dawson oh, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. act, you know, other actors that have been, you know, been in right. things and can, you know, have been around, have been in this world, or let alone yeah. know how to use Kevin Smith dialogue. And of course, the requisite cameos like Ben Affleck will be in there, among others. It's like, yeah, I, I want this to work out for the best, just based off the fact that, yeah, he gathered a lot of his friends who are familiar with his style and ideally it just comes together the right kind of way so well this is also just like more fuel for uh you and i writing a movie (laughs) making it exactly podcasters well um (laughs) oh by the way the the monsters comes out like october i think or september maybe oh so they're actually making it a holiday feature like a halloween feature yeah it's coming out like around the actual time that uh September, yeah, September 2022. Yeah. Clerks 3 also opens in September. Um, it's September, I think, 13th is when the... Um, the Fathom event. When the there. Fathom event is, yeah. yeah. And then I assume the road shows just, you know, for a month throughout, or a couple months throughout the, the end of the year. Sure. Uh, one last trailer we want to talk yes. about. Um, it's a trailer for She Said. Uh, this is a film that depicts the work done by a couple of journalists that broke the story regarding Harvey Weinstein's sexual misconduct allegations um it features zoe kazan uh carrie mulligan patricia Patricia clarkson and uh, andre brower among others Mm -hmm. um and it's uh, notably produced by brad pitt's plan b i you know like as a trailer the film you know it's fine it does the job but like i'm more interested in like what this is as far as like how it looks because it's 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 a film that's coming out like in award season that has this kind of like, hey, it's a, an important topic, has, you know, character actors, and it feels like you need to see this movie both because of the message and because it's a movie that will maybe get nominated for awards or stuff. And I just, I find it like weirdly ironic that it's a movie about Harvey Weinstein, about depicting him as the villain, which he is, mm-hmm. um, because this is exactly the kind of movie that he would fund or push to get Oscar nominations. <laughs> and so it's such a weird, like, weird i don't know how to describe it like a weird like like 360 i guess i mean you use 180 the the irony of it all yeah it's a lot of there's a yeah there's a dark irony to like what this is and like what what kind of movie is it it is coming out of this year but like what what do you think about this i mean the trailer is a trailer like you said it certainly feels like a quote-unquote prestige picture Mm -hmm. mostly just because of the subject matter and the material but also you've seen things like this done before where there would be like spotlight or any other sort of investigative journalism yeah. um, type of thing. I mean, some of those things are much better done. Like um, what was the one with Russell Crowe? Um, State the of Play. Oh, the inside. Oh yeah. That was yeah, great. Which is, yeah. which is fantastic. Phenomenal film. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. It's fantastic. Phenomenal. And you're just like, Holy shit. Like, you know, the cigarette industry is like terrible. Um, but then also you have things that maybe don't peel off as well, which have also been, kind of one of those like rip from the headlines type things and so i hope that this one takes the care in terms of the subject matter is tricky in terms of just like you know um we definitely know who the villain is but more just like i think it's tricky just because of well great you know like these allegations happen like these like hope it doesn't like i hope it doesn't um short change anybody that who was involved that was hurt from this if if you know what i mean yeah and so like it becomes one of those things where it's like well who is this for is this for the Academy? Like to your point, is it for the actors? Uh, is it for the um, the New York Times journalist? Or is it for the victims? You know what I mean? And that's where it's like, 
if you're trying to play that sort of balance, it's it's really difficult because I'd rather just watch a documentary then. That, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like clearly, like you know, uh, we know what happened. We know that there was a lot of misconduct. I'm glad that Brad Pitt is there because I love the Brad Pitt story, whether it's true or false, of him and um, Gwyneth Paltrow, like back in the day, where where he's like, "I'm gonna kill you if if you like try and touch her again." um which is great but at the same time i'm just like you know well, I, it's it's tricky you mentioned that because there's also i mean he still would go on to work in movies that had weinstein as a producer it's yeah because like, <laughs> weinstein who did he what did he run Mir- miramax miramax yeah, yeah and, then, ran, and, and then the Brad Pitt has company. definitely done a lot of miramax and films. weinstein company films and yeah yeah and so it, it's yeah I, I that's where i i you know my point of view is just more of i hope that it does some justice for the victims because we already know how it played out you know what i mean i think that this is something that we can talk about uh, maybe at like at a later time too but this is something that that i feel like when it's a little bit too fresh in our minds i don't know if it really has like this, the same kind of impact this is not to say that it, yeah it, like diminishing the the um the seriousness of the allegations and the findings and the rulings but it's more of one of those things where it's like you know I didn't watch the Pam and Tommy thing mostly because like we lived through it. And I was like, it wasn't really that it, it was a big deal, but also like, I don't know, like I didn't really care for much for it back then. And I kind of really didn't care for it when it came out here on Hulu. I haven't seen a lot of like the, the more recent things about like um, uh, the Theranos stuff, you know, I've heard that it's good, but then I also was like, that just happened like five years ago when I lived it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this is like a difficult thing just because while it is a very interesting topic, because of who it involves, meaning like a, a fairly high-profile Hollywood producer um, with an immense amount of power over the course of like decades, it is just like when you look at the cast airline, like everybody here, it, it, it was weird because I was like I was expecting like ninety percent of this cast, if that makes sense. Sure. It was like they had like the guy from um, Succession, like the the CFO guy, and I was like, of course he would be in this movie. Like I'm kind of waiting for like um like part of like the social network, the lawyer teams to, to show up in this movie as well, you know? So yeah, I, I, I hope that it, I hope that it, it um, has a really good uh, point because again, we already know what the outcome is. Yeah. yeah the freshness, I think is it's such because especially because it's such a high profile thing, sure. right? Like spotlight, you know, like there's a level of recency there, but there's also like, it is neat. I mean, for one thing, it's just the way that the film handles that material. Yeah. But it's also like it's exposing things that, you know, unless you like read the was it the Boston Globe, uh, like unless yeah. you like read these articles or like really delved into this stuff, it's a lot of icky material that you're not necessarily like seeing popularized in a way right. like Harvey Weinstein mega producer goes down. Like yeah. it just it has a different kind of feel where this is, I don't know, and like especially and especially because it's you know tackling with like the Me Too movement and everything. I mean, we just had that movie Bombshell, which I thought was terrible. And that handled things. in that one? That's the one with um, um, Charlize Theron was, what's her name? Megan Kelly. Oh, oh, the Fox News thing. Okay. The Fox, the Fox one, I'm yeah. also thinking of the one where it was sort of something like this, but it has like the woman who won the Emmy and she's in Ozark. Yeah, there's Ju- yeah the Julie Garner, yeah, in the, yeah. like the, not the assistance, but something like that. Some, something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the one that I was thinking. And of. that one's better. I mean, that one's better just because it's way more low key. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's taking on some ambitious ideas as far as how to present that kind of movie. Right, it's worthwhile for because it's not rooted in in um, nonfiction. It's rooted in a, a fictional take on a very real subject. Mm-hmm. Like there's something there. Right. This, especially being played up as a straight drama, where Bombshell tried to be a comedy, and again, 
that movie I thought was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, this, got this nominated movie, for best best makeup, right? It got it got a it got and a best actress nomination. It's ridiculous. Oh, wow. because it's okay. a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> this being played as a straight drama, like I, I know there's something to glean from it as far as this is important and we get lots of media that tries to shine a light on it but it's like i don't know i don't know yeah. where I, I i don't know if i'm supposed to like feel good about the idea of like rewarding something for presenting a thing like this compared to yeah. like you're saying getting a documentary that could easily go over these details and not feel like it's striving to be more to feel like it's more important than it is as far as what it you know what it what it gets what it receives beyond acknowledgement yeah, that's interesting that you brought there, but in terms of like trying to, to feel more uh, well received, because it was weird to see like the the on the screen portrayal of Harvey Weinstein, like they just have like this huge hulking guy, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, that's that's a choice, right? You know, um, the other thing I want to mention is that we sort of talked about how Spotlight um, is sort of it, this is sort of reminiscent of Spotlight. I haven't you and I haven't seen She Said yet, but it, it's when I think about Spotlight, it wasn't that they were directly focused on the improprieties of the Catholic church. It was that it was like a newspaper movie mm-hmm. and the newspaper was just like, this is why we're important. Like, this is why we should be doing investigative journalism for things like this. And then also to your point, it's like we had known about uh, inappropriate behavior, but then when they give you like the details of it and when like, you know, she finds out that they just get relocated and it just keeps happening over and over again, you're just like, you're fucking disgusted by it. And so there's like this this additional oomph, you know, to our point about Yeah, because you're saying time. like you're seeing process and play, which I love. I right. love seeing process in movies, but it's dealing with a very specific thing. Granted, yeah. we've only seen a trailer of this. Of Maybe it's put, yeah. presented in a way that you know, because especially for a movie like this, a trailer is gonna emphasize oscary bits right it's gonna that's the kind of way you edit these movies when it comes to advertising them so maybe it's complete you know maybe it has a certain point of view perspective rhythm tone that makes sense for how to do this we don't know yet but like if you're telling me there's a drama coming out about the whole harvey weinstein thing i just i kind of like shudder a bit that's my kind of reaction i have from an offhand standpoint yeah and again like my my initial reaction instinct is just like I mean, it just happened like a couple of years ago. We found out the ruling. So is this really like, is this, you know, do I want to watch a fictionalization of like a real life thing that I, I've already witnessed not too long ago? Well, we'll see. She said her eyes in theaters November 18th. This year? this year? Yeah, this year. Okay. So yeah, really award season. Yeah. Okay. So um, before we get to some kind of uh, ex- more extended thoughts, I did want yeah. to do a little bit of out now quickies here. Trademark. Uh, did you, do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, yeah, I watched Hustle. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is something that came out like, you know, uh, at least like now. three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. I don't know if I loved it like a lot of people have loved it uh, on Twitter, mostly just because I, when I watched it, I was like, well, this is very reminiscent of like the Arab there, um, which is a movie I do, I really quite enjoy. Uh, but it's about, you know, trying to find a prospect <laughs> and... Like you know, it is the same. It's the same movie, right? Uh, yeah, I know. I I have not. I've not seen the year up there since the '90s, so I can't Dude. account for its quality. I, but G- I... It's not a great quality, but you know, Jimmy <laughs> Dolan shake and bake. Come on, let's go. Um, but I, I think that there's a really good um element of it in terms of having real life basketball players yeah. playing basketball and the way that they shoot it. And I heard that they were like shooting it like fairly um fairly dynamically like and it was really cool just to like put the pieces together as to like why adam sandler was playing basketball with like trey young and all these other people like 
months before this movie was released. I was like, why would he just be playing pickup in Atlanta? To be fair, <laughs> he does do that. He does, yeah. That, of course. That's Adam I think Sandler, he does. Like he yeah, loves exactly. basketball. Adam, if you know Adam Sandler, like he always has like a hoop on set, so he's always playing basketball. But you know, when you see photos of him like playing with real NBA players, you're like, is he just really into basketball right now in his in his 40s and 50s? I mean, who else is he gonna um, hang out with? He's a celebrity. <laughs> totally, totally. But it made more sense. And then it it is really neat to kind of have the um again the the basketball player acting aspect of it. And they th- they did it really well for the two main guys like um Hernan yeah, what'd Gomez. You, what do you think of Herman Gomez? I was curious. Yeah, Hernan Gomez. He was he was fine in terms of like his his approach because they he's from Spain. He he actually is from Spain, so they didn't really give him a whole ton of lines. But also, it's a very specific part of the NBA process, right? Mm-hmm. It's just about the draft and kind of like leading up to the draft, doing all the um, the combine workout. Yeah. And then they had like um, Anthony Edwards, who's fantastic just playing Kermit, um, who was like his, his like the on-screen opposition. I, I enjoyed him a lot because that's, you know, Anthony Edwards is a very dynamic player. And also he just has a lot of charisma off the, off the, uh, the, the court. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen any of his interviews, he is hilarious because he'll be like, I, I started a Twitter account for my dog. Uh, it's called Ant Jr. And he like Ant Jr. tweets in the first person, which is just hilarious. <laughs> Like a dog tweeting in the first person, like, oh, I hung out with my dad today. See, this all sounds great. And here's my, so like, because yeah, I yeah. I liked it well, and I think I liked it about the same as you. Yeah. Obviously, I'm, I'm less versed in the world of basketball than sure. you are, but I still, you know, I enjoyed the movie without like, without loving it. But I think, I think the direction by Jeremiah Zagar, who is, made some cool, he made a movie called We the Animals. It's really cool. Uh, I yeah, think yeah. there's some interesting choices there. I don't know that that was him, actually. Yeah. But so with Anthony Edwards specifically, I kept running into this issue or thinking like, is this how like people, is this how like a guy is while yeah. doing this kind of thing? Cause it was bothering me. And yeah. I know it's supposed to bother you, but it's like, it feels like it's so vindictive and like so directly at this guy. And it's like, why does he need to be this evil? Like that kept bugging me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that it was really well done and really well handled because again, everything you're doing in the NBA is kind of like, you're just playing mind games with everybody. Um, so whether it's trash talking, whatever the case is. So I, I hear what you're saying from I'm just curious like, if that's how it actually lot. is. That's like, oh, it is. My, my yeah, thought. it might be even worse. Like you've definitely seen fights break out mm-hmm. where they're just like talking about like like you know, there's a famous clip uh, of LeBron James like don't call me bitch. Like he's he's wording it, mm-hmm. and like that really gets him going. So like you've seen him get into a fight. Russell Westbrook has gone to to arguments with fans um, and where he's like you know actively trying to get them kicked out of the the arena. You know, Kevin Durant goes into like and and argues with all these fans too. Like on the court, it's just like no holds barred. Like people have even said like the nicest guys, like Steph Curry, he's a huge trash talker on the court. You just never, like, you just never pick up on it because you know he's just doing so many amazing things. They're not miked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not Mike. He's definitely not one of those players that will. Okay, well, th- this helps as far yeah. as because yeah. like I guess it's supposed to be mean, but at the same time, it's like it is like just they makes do me cr- feel they, bad, they, like listening like to they, this guy talk. And then, like when you when you see his family there, you're just like, I know what's gonna happen, and this is fucking, this is like gonna be bad. But I think that as far as like the other, like what I think that they did smartly was the other NBA players don't have a lot of lines, like mm-hmm. Trey Young, even like his his friend who is the agent, who is Kenny the Jet Smith, who played in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He he has like a very limited part. Like he actually does a really good job being like this agent who blood his knee kind of thing. But there's just a really smart thing of just like. Well, these guys aren't professional actors, so we'll just have them say, "Hey, what's up?" Like we know who Adam Sandler's character is. Yeah, there's a conversational element that I, I enjoyed. It's right. just kind of it's it, there's a yeah. it feels loose in the right kind of way. It's lived yeah. in. Yeah. As far as like the basketball things go, 
I still think like things like high flying bird are much more in tune with like the real business aspect of the NBA mm-hmm. um, and sort of portraying it on the screen and just make you feel like this is definitely harder than people think that it is. Um, because this has a lot of like, you know, other elements too, like a Rocky element, like, yeah, there's an underdog literally. story here along right, with yeah. the business thing. And along with, right. of course, Sandler's whole deal. Yeah. And then like a draft day type element with Kevin Costner, which I know you haven't seen. Nope. <laughs> 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 but it's like one of those things where it's just like, yeah, there's like a lot of like fan- fantastical, you know, f- fictional elements of the game, you know, with Robert Duvall being like mm-hmm. this really altruistic leader kind of yeah. guy. But, you know, like, I think that there's, like, still other things. It does it does the basketball stuff really well, and it handles, like, the combine stuff pretty well. But then I still enjoy other movies where, like, if you're going to be talking real basketball shop, like, the other ones are just, like, oh, man. Like, yeah, I, I definitely feel bad for, like, my, my guy over in High Flying Bird just, like, struggling while during, like, during this lockout, and he's, like, losing all the players uh, as an agent kind of thing. Or even Jerry Maguire, which is fictional. Uh, but that that definitely has more of, like, it's it's really difficult to be a, an agent if you're trying to appease you know these players and then also just trying to like get your life in order. Yeah, you get you get cushlash. <laughs> oh, the surfer ski, man. Um, well, I'm glad you saw. I, I was glad to hear you talk about hustle because I, yeah. I you were you weren't on the week that it came out. And no, so I was like, oh, yeah. so I didn't get to I didn't get to hear what your thoughts are on hustle. But I'm glad you saw it. Um, what have you seen? I've no. seen I've seen a couple things too. I, I I'll talk about the, this one first. The Deer King. Okay. Um, this is the new anime uh, film. It's it's from it's based on a couple like mangas. It's been adapted into like one big movie, so it's like it has this kind of epic fantasy type thing going. It's uh, directed by uh, Masashi Ando and uh, Masayuki Biagi. I it's hard not to like think of Princess Mononoke when you're watching a movie like this because it's like you know set in the you know the environment and there's a spiritual fantastical thing going on there's multiple characters kind of this ensemble thing um but i still like this movie like if you're you know not everyone can be studio ghibli so it's like you're already like having to like do a certain kind of thing when you're making this kind of story but i think this one does it rather well as far as the animation goes it's a really good looking movie uh-huh. i think it's only it's only issue is that it it has some really high highs and then it has like stuff in between that where it just feels like the momentum feels a bit off, but like, Interesting. but it's still, I feel like a worthwhile film just cause I, I generally like the story it presents about this kind of empire that's being challenged by these, the it's, it's hard to describe without like just, 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 just naming every single thing that happens, but like it's essentially a, a power struggle um and there's a fantastical element and this warrior that's kind of caught between all this that could make a difference um i think it's a worthwhile watch um perhaps not you know the best thing that i've seen in it when it comes to recent anime but certainly mm-hmm. a movie that i that i enjoyed okay so the other movie i need to talk about <laughs> <laughs> need to i need to um don't make me go okay um this is a film with starring john Cho and mia isaac their father and daughter uh john Cho learns that he is a terminal illness um and so he decides to take his teenage daughter on a road trip across country um where he doesn't tell her that he's sick but ideally wants her to meet her estranged mother and presumably set up some kind of you know scenario for what's going to happen after he dies you know it no one's going to be able to that scene this movie is going to be able to talk about this movie about going into the ending I'm not going to reveal what the ending is, but there's a very good reason why it's the thing that you will automatically lean on when you're thinking about this movie. Hmm. And I, and not in a, and to me, not in a good way. 
um, which is a shame because I think for like this movie's all it's like an hour 50 minutes almost for like a good 80 percent it's a pretty good movie like okay. John Cho's always reliable he's very good here uh, Mia Isaac's more of a newcomer but like the two of them work well as father daughter who like clash and you know bond sometimes or what have you it has a nice kind of road trip comedy drama vibe but it just comes like to a screeching halt in the third act in a way Whoa. that's just like it's this kind of gotcha thing that it goes for that is a way oh, to no. kind of subvert what you might expect to happen. But at the same time, uh -huh. it's like based on where these characters are in their arcs, I don't know if it was really necessary beyond just, you know, doing something for the sake of like, isn't this different? And it's like, <sighs> I, I was, I, it just, it, it gut punched me in a way that I was like, this is not what I expected to happen. And uh -huh. so I like, I'm just so at odds with it. Cause it's like, there's so much here that I really enjoyed. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's as far as like a, you know, film festival, road trip, comedy, drama thing with some stars, you, you, you know, with John Cho. It's like, cool. I'm into that. And then it just takes a turn. <laughs> just like making it very hard to be like, you got to see this, but it's yeah. like, well, you kind of, I guess you should, but, but I can't tell you why. Is it one of those really just watch it until like the 80th minute and then turn it off. Like it's a better movie. I mean, honestly, it. if you stopped it where, <laughs> when you watch this movie, you know where you could have stopped it. And wow. Like, oh, okay. that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's another additional 15 minutes and it's like, Good. 15 minutes ruin the movie wow well like something ruins the movie and then it has to keep going after that sure. so it's like, Got it. okay. so to wrap things up and it's like okay <laughs> well i look forward to them robbing a bank yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> it was when the aliens are on um it's like oh, i can't believe they have done where, where did you fall where did you watch this this is on prime it's on prime okay. video now so it's available oh I've, okay i've seen the banners then yeah yeah because it's like john cho hugging his child <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's very obnoxious because <laughs> it's in sunset so it looks but hey nice. john cho i'm glad that he's still getting work but also um i'm glad that he's taking on roles that are like you know he, he's he's growing with his roles yeah we've seen him like as a father in that one where it's all online which is pretty cool i forget what it's searching called. searching yeah um but then you know He's taken on like other smaller roles too. Like um, I forget the one where he was just like small town roam, roaming around and then he meets like, you know, some woman that Columbia. Like, is that the one? Yeah. Um, sure. So yeah, you know, he's still, he's still working Columbus. Acting, sorry. Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. yeah. He's still working on his acting chops, you know, getting like independent film roles and um, these small dad roles. But at least he's not like, you know, just trying to all be like um, uh, Captain Sulu or, or Hikaru, Hikaru Sulu all over the place. What's fun is that he has his Spike Spiegel hair. Uh, oh, he does? Yeah. Oh, because he's shooting at the same time? I assume he was shooting around yeah. around the same time. So it's like big and so poofy. It's it's long in a way where you're like, oh, that's quite long. Like, you know. Yeah. I think a John Cho in like a general sense, I think I was more of like a, you know, shorter, cut. Yeah. Shorter, yeah. shorter cut kind of guy. Here his hair is long. It's like, oh, so this is like on break between this, like this is, Cowboy Bebop episodes. <laughs> yeah. This is like when you're watching... Um, uh, uh what's uh marriage story and you're just like oh he was shooting star wars yeah he's shooting star wars <laughs> that's, why, that's why that's why this this theater director is so built <laughs> he's got such shaggy hair he's such shaggy hair and big muscles <laughs> that's, that's why he's, he's doing that's why he's fights. able to like break the walls yeah. <laughs> so yeah don't make me go is on amazon now i can't exactly recommend it 
but it's hard. It's like a it's like a car crash. <laughs> like, oh wow, you just can't stop looking at it. Yeah, because you're like you're driving along and you're having a good time. You're like, oh no, this is happening. <laughs> you can't stop looking at it. <laughs> Oh no! This that is... does not describe me at all as a driver. I hate looking at car crashes. I drive right by because I don't. Want I do it. too. Yeah. I hate it. It's like people stop. Just drive. Yeah. This is not your business. Like, well, it actually gives you I like a time advantage. You're just like, oh, everyone's gonna be looking, but I'm not. So boop. Yeah, if if everyone's out of my way, sure. Yeah. <laughs> They're mostly in my way because like I, I have to <laughs> see around this corner and still not be able to see anything, but slow down anyway. Ruin everybody's yeah. traffic. Oh, anyway, L.A. traffic. Yeah. Let's move on. Yes. Let's uh, let's get to one. Let's get to our first review. Uh, or one of our main reviews for Where mm-hmm. the Crawdad Sings. I didn't know how to do life. You didn't see me here. I was better off learning from the marsh. Hello, Miss Kyle. I hear y'all buy muscles. The marsh taught me how to survive, but it couldn't teach me everything. You can't live alone in the marsh forever. Watch me. All right. It's dangerous to live out here alone like this. I'm fine. You're something else, ain't you? Miss Catherine Clark is charged with the murder of Chase Andrews. That should have been some of the trailer for Where the Crawdad Sings. This is a mystery drama based on a best-selling novel. Um, by Delia Owens, uh, directed by Olivia Newman. Uh, but more importantly, this was a book in Reese Witherspoon's book club, and she's like, I'm going to produce this as a movie, uh, which is what happened mm-hmm. here. Uh, it follows the story of Catherine Kaya Clark. Uh, she's known as the Marsh Girl because she lives somewhat as a recluse in North Carolina in the, the Marshlands uh, during the early 1950s and 60s. Um, she, by at the beginning of this film, basically she gets brought in uh, accused of murder. And the rest of the film spends time focusing on where she grew up, how, what her life has been like, and two men that came into her life and made things a bit different for her. Mm-hmm. That's a basic summation of what's going sure, on here. Yeah. But uh, Abe, I want to hear, what, what were your thoughts on where the crawdads sing? I remember that you and I were talking off mic and we were just kind of discussing the week and then, um, you know, what what we might see, what we shouldn't see and, and whatever else. And um, and then you're like, oh, you know, I don't know if you really need to spend time with it. And I was like, well, I mean, I'll give it a go anyway, because, you know, it's something that it's coming out as a, as a new release and I want to give it a, a fair share. Um, and then I was watching it and I was like, you know, it's, it's very watchable. And then I was like, this is the most unintentionally funny drama of the year. Because I think as I was was watching this movie, it's clear that there was like a lot that is on the page. Um, Uh I I don't know if it really translates to the movie screen, but I thought that there was just a whole lot of stuff that I think like my takeaway from the from the at the end of the movie was like I, I wonder if like the books are probably like a lot better than this because part of this is like it's part 30 rock and then part like the notebook and part where the crowd dancing, I guess. And it's just, it's all mixed in one because, Oh, and even like, even part like, you know, um, what was the one with John C. Riley where he's playing a, a country music singer? 
Dewey Cox, walk hard. Dewey Cox, yeah. That one. And it, it, it's hilarious because there's, again, unintentional comedy because there, this is dealing with uh, issues of abandonment and being an orphan and then growing up on your own. But there was just some scenes there where I was like, this is this is just really funny. And I was chuckling and I, I really had a good time with this movie. Like, it, it's not that it's a terrible movie. It's just that it is just very superficial. And as much as we sort of have been talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe with regard to where, where does this go? And, you know, you didn't really get a feel for all these characters. Like, I think that all those problems sort of apply here. Like, I don't really know... Um, I wish that I knew a little bit more about like Kaya and not just that, like all of her siblings left her in a montage. Um, and then she was holding a chicken as one of her brothers left uh, and then drops him and then like hugs her brother goodbye. And then, you know, you meet all these guys. And then, uh, you know, again, we, we talked about David Shatheran kind of showing up as like a Southern uh, lawyer guy who's retired and then takes on the case pro bono for no real reason. And then, you know, you just, I think that there's a lot to really enjoy about this. This would be a movie that you could watch um, with a group and just have a good time. I think watching it as far as like the movie making goes competently made. Like, I think the cinematography was well done. I think that there was like a really good uh, sense of like um, of uh, where we were in the, in the terms of like the South. Um, and I also think that Michael Dinah has like a really good score. This is not to say that it's a good movie. I want to really emphasize that it's not that good of a movie uh, in terms of movie making and in terms of like the, the movie experience, because you're in the South here. I don't know why Kat doesn't have a stronger accent. And then I also don't really know like why everything looks so dry, uh, especially like you live in the marsh. I would say that like, uh, if you're wondering like, well, what is a movie that makes you feel like you're actually in the element and, you know, can present that. It's like um, when I'm watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they're in the desert, I feel like I'm also in the desert. And this one is just like, well, I guess it's pretty dry in the swamp marshlands of, of the Carolinas. Um, like, I, I did enjoy this movie, like certain elements of it, but I also was laughing to myself a lot. So let me stop there and let me get your thoughts uh, on, on this because uh, <laughs> I, I want to know. I, I never felt like it felt like a parody of these kind of movies. And I've seen sure. these kinds of dramas that do feel like parodies of them. I do feel like there's a level of earnestness here that works in that regard as far as trying to tell a serious story i just don't think it's a very good movie uh-huh. uh, you pointed out something that i absolutely agree with is that there i i kept feeling like the book probably does a lot of this stuff better as far as what i'm supposed to understand about there's certain things mm-hmm. i'll say this i saw this with my dad because he has read the book and he liked okay. the book he enjoyed both the book well enough um but he was curious about the movie because it was coming out so we went and saw it um when it had ended, um, he looked over at me and he said, yeah, the book was a whole lot better. Um, okay. And so during our drive home, which took about five, ten minutes, uh-huh. uh, he went from being like, yeah, that was okay, but the book was better to, no, it just wasn't very good. And uh-huh. I know what, because we were talking about it, and I know why, it's because it just doesn't take any chances in this thing. There's nothing here that's all that... <laughs> all that interesting because there's like, it feels like everything's been shaved down for the sake of making a two hour movie, as opposed to, you know, something that better represents whatever's going on in this book. Mm-hmm. I, without having read it could easily tell that there is just more to everybody that we learn in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that I think Daisy Edgar Jones is fine as Kaya. Like I think, you know, to lead a movie like this, she does a, a 
good enough job i don't know her from much she's been in like some shows and some movies but that's mm-hmm. not, yeah i don't have much of a familiarity but like every character in this movie is not changed throughout this movie there's no there's nothing to any of them they're all just kind of stock types mm-hmm. and so you have these two guys that are supposed to be in her life one of them's a golden boy and one of them's trouble from the second you see him and it seems very obvious and there's just nothing there like so i, I kept like one like thinking like the book surely has like more dimension to these people uh than what we're being presented here yeah it also includes the you know the kind black couple that run the general store uh in the 1950s where there's somehow never racism i was gonna <laughs> like, say the closest you get is one guy calling you get one boy yeah, yeah you get one interaction to kind of hint at something but it's like uh, okay i guess that's it right now i can understand like this is a movie that's you know, trying to appeal to a general wide audience to a degree and wants to maybe sands off some edges that's can be okay. But yeah. like when you sand everything off down to the point where it's just not that interesting, I don't know where we're supposed to glean from this. And yeah. so I, like, I have to, like, I have characters that do things based off what the plot requires of them because either we've taken away the material from the book that would make this have more substantial impact or they're just, just it's just not anything there to begin with. The one key example I have is that you have this guy Tate, who's like the nice, the nice guy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's also all, like the the poor kid who grew up with them, and but is really nice. And he's and he's always nothing but nice. Like he yeah. he he is. There's no reason you'd think he'd ever do anything to harm Kaya, and yet the movie requires him to be gone for a certain period of time, and then return, and you're just supposed to believe that he would basically abandon this person. He clearly has genuine affection for and would, you know, never want to treat that way. Who he has literally known his whole life, but you never get a reason as to why he would make that choice. And it's just, it's stuff like that, that applies to many characters throughout where I just don't get it. Like, I don't, so it just, these aren't holes. They're just unjustified actions that take place. Yeah. I, I think that you have that example of Tate, which is a good example. I think like, a more like obvious and clear to your point example is her dad, <laughs> who's played by Garrett Delahunt in a very Garrett Delahunt kind of type role where he looks like he, he would be this kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Although I could definitely see him as like, you know, sheriff guy from uh, from ambulance as well. Um, uh, but I think that that's just like his character is this, you know, drunk, abusive dad. Um, and then all of a sudden he's just like gone. He's just like it's told to you in the movie from her voiceover one day he just left and you're just like i guess he's gone you know what i mean like there's there's not really a whole deep ex uh, meaning behind that and then her her reasoning is like and that's like that's when i learned that i could be better alone and like that's just like a repeating recurring theme of her just like i'm stronger alone until you know obviously the end where she's not um but i i certainly like i i didn't think that there was a whole lot of depth either in these characters and then when things are that like that do happen like you know he sort of gives her a reason why uh he left you're just like you know other movies have kind of done this better um and i'm not even talking about like really good movies i'm just talking about like other movies that are just like long lost uh boyfriend comes back home and then there's a reunion like the funnier thing is that like she's on the lookout in that scene and then she just picks up this giant rock and like starts throwing things at him. Um, and I'm just like, this is unintentionally funny. And to to like I, I think like not like to to help myself out, but 
I sat near a couple of people who clearly loved the book that were also laughing and having a good time. Um, and I was glad that I wasn't the only one that thought that this was unintentionally funny. Yeah, it just, it just, I mean, it just doesn't offer much as far as a drama goes. It really it just, doesn't. It's very, I, it's very straightforward. It doesn't have. Yes. Yeah, it's very linear. Very yeah. linear. Even though you're traveling back through time, it's still well, very it, I mean, it, it gives you, it's like, it's basically a coming of age story. It just happens to give you these like, segments featuring this courtroom drama that's going on and it's yeah. beyond the fact that david shesterin is generally very good in things so he's not there's nothing wrong with him being here no it just like the court just kind of inserts itself and never really has too much drama going on because it's the, the kind of movie it is you 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 expect certain things to happen right yeah i, I would also say oh go ahead i was just gonna say like i can't admire like a, i can't admire a movie that's like trying to be about like female empowerment and like what it's trying i can i can see why like reese witherspoon would want to produce a movie like this and have a female director and everything like i i get what i get what can be accomplished here but i just don't think it whether it's an adaptation problem or just a I don't know, just a, a, a lack of, I don't, because I don't think it's like a direction. I guess it's just the script. It just doesn't it, like. It probably was the script. The it, adaptation just, it just does, it. it doesn't have like anything to it beyond some very basic ideas. And then, you know, you're adding on what's a pretty bland cast. I mean, so it's just like, what else do we got? Sure. And, and in a week in, a, in where, I, where I have like Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris or Mr. Malcolm's List movies that I like that also, you know, are for adults and, you know, female audiences. Like if this is the main studio offering, it's like this is, you know, this is nothing compared to anything. Yeah, else. I would agree that it's really a nothing burger. <laughs> but I, I think that there's, um, when I was reading the credits as they were coming on the screen here, you see that it was written by, um, I forget who the, the author is. Um, but yeah, then it's the a screenwriter says, or the? No, the author of the book. Delia uh, Owens. Delia Owens. And then it says adapted by somebody else. It's like, oh, Lucy not even Allen. like, yeah, not even like a, um, a Delia Owens like co-credit kind of thing. So well, that, I mean, that's, you know, that's it's not unheard of. Yeah, yeah. But it certainly is one of those things where I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I was reading up some articles about it and Reese Witherspoon had read it when it was first released. And then she bought the rights to it like a few weeks later, like fairly quickly. Um, and then put some money behind it. And then the, and the book is it. huge. It's a huge selling novel. Sure. Right? Yeah. But I think that, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, there's just not a whole lot here because I think that you're right. The adaptation of it is just not very good. I also want to point out that there's like some common Southern things to it, which is not very fun. Like it's fun to like pick out and, and watch them. I'm just more talking about like, um, like David and decides to wear like an Atticus Finch suit for whatever reason, um, as he's given his closing arguments. And I was like, this is, you know, a little bit on the nose here, guys. But I, I just thought that it was just not very good as like a murder mystery, which it could have leaned in on heavily, um, or to your point, a courtroom drama, or even just telling me the coming of age story. Like there was just, it, it oh, tries right. to do all you're these right. things, it tries to do it all doesn't things. do anything. I well. completely agree. I completely agree with that. Yeah. So watch it with friends. I think you're going to have a good time, but don't watch it alone because you'll just be like, why did Abe tell me to watch this? Fair. Yeah. I also didn't know what the store owner's name was because I was like, why? I can't really hear it. And then I looked it up later and I was like, it's jumping. Yeah, jumping, like, jumping to okay. Mabel. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were the two best characters in the movie for me. So I, I, I would I agree. About them. Yeah. And, and they were, they were definitely the two. And best. as my, my dad explained to me, there's a lot more with them and their community that is completely cut from the, from the movie. So it's like, Oh, that's a shame. (laughs) I would have appreciated seeing more of that, but yeah. 
I also just like how uh, David Shatheran, like, in, in uh, my friends who are lawyers are just like, you know, you want to humanize like everybody. So he just decides to be like, he decides to call her Swamp Girl, just the way that everyone calls her. It's like the, mar- this the is Marsh Girl, Marsh Girl, Marsh Girl. It's like, I get what you're saying, but also like, you know, not not really the nicest. I also uh, will lastly want to say that it's it's an interesting ending. And I think that it, it's it an would abrupt way ending. More That's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting in terms of like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like the 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 abruptness and quote unquote the profoundness of it. But I think that, that would have been probably way better handled. In the book. I, I have lots of thoughts on it. It's just they all they're no, all spoiler. please yeah they're, no they're, they're all, all spo- the I don't need to get into it. They're just, they're no, just no. spoilery yeah. thoughts. But it's it's just a more of I had certain thoughts of like where this was going to go, and then I immediately turned them down because I'm like, no, it has to do this. And sure. then it does do a certain thing. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then like credits. I'm like, oh, that that was it. Okay, <laughs> like we're done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At one point, I was like, so I guess we're never gonna find out what happened. <laughs> Which I, I mean, like, did they just purposely skip over this? Well, there's an aspect of me that appreciated that if that's the choice they make, it's like, well, it's her story, so cool. Yeah. Who cares about this thing? Whatever. Maybe it was just whatever. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it's like, well, that we, we should probably wrap that up. And it's like, oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's stop talking about where the crowd sings. Let's start talking about Marcel the Shell with shoes on. All right. So I'm making like a little documentary. Oh, it's like it's a like... movie, but nobody has any lines and nobody even knows what it is while they're making it. Mm. No. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what's life like. It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least 20 shells to have a community. My cousin fell asleep in a pocket, and that's why I don't like the saying everything comes out of the wash, because sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it does, and they're just like a completely different person. So it's actually only two of us now. Myself and my grandmother, Nana Connie. We like to watch 60 Minutes because Leslie Stahl is fearless. Nana, make the noise. Sometimes I find my mind wandering, thinking, what would my family think? Do you think they could be out there? Marcello, let's forget about being afraid. Just take the adventure. Okay, let's do it. That should have been some of the trailer for Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. In 2010, director Dean Fleischerkamp and co-writer slash star Jenny Slate unleashed Marcel the Shell of Shoes on into the world. It's a three-minute short that premiered at AFI Fest and went on to win various awards at different film festivals. Two sequels were released in the years since, and now we have a feature-length adaptation. This story focuses on Marcel, an anthropomorphic shell wielding of his grandmother, Connie, in a home that is now an Airbnb. Dean, the director, playing himself, is occupying the home and begins documenting and learning more about Marcel. Soon enough, we come to understand that Marcel has lost his family, leading to a search for them and bringing in unexpected attention in the process. Abe, mm-hmm. obviously you've, you, you, you thought that the, the people would just march to this movie in droves and give it some box office bucks. Yes. So I, I, I certainly like, did. I like the thing that came because of your just genuine anticipation for this film. Now you've seen it. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Marcel the Shell of Shoes on? Just to backtrack a second, I have seen it. I, I watched it when it first came out in 2010, like the little short that they made. And I was like, that's probably the reason why I was like, well, everyone's going to go see this movie because 
it's it's in our and it's in our cultural um, zeitgeist and it's in our subconscious. And he's such a good guy and is so fun and charming. And then you watch the movie and it is one of the most delightful, genuine and heartfelt movies I've seen this year. Continuing the trend of A24 films like After Yang and Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I was, uh, I had such a really, really good time. Like I think like the most equivalent thing I could say is that this is almost uh, as much like joy and fun and like happiness that I've experienced since like watching Paddington 2. Yep. Not like on the same level because I think Paddington 2 still like is one of those things where it's just like high all the time um and and it keeps going that way and then it, it ends off in such a way that you're just like i feel so good um this one also feels good but also it has a really important journey in it for marcel um because i think there's like a lot of life lessons that are sort of given um as as we're moving through here so obviously it's a deeper movie in terms of you know the other one's like 10 minutes long or or uh what have you but i i really enjoyed it for i think the feelings that you're getting just watching it just in terms of its whimsy and sort of the, the ongoings, the daily ongoings. And then I certainly, and everybody in the audience, you could hear them. Uh, there was a sort of like emotional element to it that I think resonated with a lot of people and even me. And then I think that there's just a lot of like care craft and again, genuine compassion giving this anthropomorphic shell just like a whole lot of life and, uh, and kind of making you feel things that that you that make you feel good that, that really uh, give you like the, the warm fuzzies but also a sense of of like moving forward if, if that makes sense i also uh, briefly just want to uh, before i end up here i was kind of hoping they wouldn't tell you who the man and the woman are um, who originally lived in the house because at the second time I was like, oh, I know who those people are. And it would have been just funny because um, of who the man uh, is played by. And it just would have been funny just to be like, that's a really clever play on, on last names. Um, but no, they, they do go into it. But I, uh-huh. I'm just laughing. Go. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that it was a really, really nice, delightful movie. And I would recommend it highly. Yeah, strong agree. I mean, I like, there, there's nothing I could add that that goes against or further as far as like a general thoughts on this movie goes like it's mm-hmm. adorable it very very i paddington's an easy reference point as far as just something that makes you feel good mm-hmm. um and in the way that this kind of does um so i'll we can just go from there and i'll just i'll just note that as far as like a production goes it it is interesting to see kind of like an a24 movie that's taking on this sort of family friendly tone in the way that it does where you have this kind of faux documentary taking place and it still has these you know in addition to being like quirky and humorous it has this like kind of streak of melancholy that runs through it but without like draining you of energy you're just more of like oh okay you can see shades to this character despite being a shell and you can appreciate like the the journey that he's going on and what he's learning in this process while also just having a genuinely good time being around this thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I very much appreciated that because it's such a unique type of character. Obviously it's a shell with shoes on the talks. Um, <laughs> but like I, I, you know, I was fond of this character. I was fond of Marcel and I liked Marcel as far as his genuine attitude 
but also just like jokes that he does. <laughs> it's like yeah. there's just good lines and good sense of humor running throughout this thing. And the only other thing I'll say is that I really liked how this is clearly a, you know, a fantastical thing happening. There's a shell right. that talks and, you know, is alive. And that's not a thing that's ever questioned. It just mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And I, that was fun. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I, I thought about that too. And, and again, I, I sort of have been familiar with the property for a while, um, but just quickly, um, there were children in my audience, and I think that they all really had a good time watching this film as well, um, laughing at the right parts and asking their parents questions during other parts, um, and then being silent at at uh, appropriate parts. Um, and you know, the fantastical element of like a shell moving a, a book or traveling up a staircase, or you know, turning on electronics um, or carving things into wood. You know, you don't really care about how this the shell is accomplishing these things. You're kind of just more about, you know, backing Marcel and his grandmother Connie, um, and in their journey here. And I think that Dean, who plays himself, um, he he has like it. It really works in like that faux mockumentary type field, just because it helps lead you to other questions, and that question, those questions become the plot of the movie, um, and that really evolves into something that is very very nice and really really uh sweet um but then again like you know uh the adage of it's not really a destination it's it's the journey like i really enjoyed like their little outings and how things happen and the popularity like you know when there's like a recurring joke that happens in a car that i think everyone just like felt was really funny and adorable and and uh even though it's like you know it happens three times so i I also like I don't want to dig too far into like where this thing goes. Yes, yeah, I agree. But like I, I did like that it, it <laughs> it's not meta. It's just more of like I like that it embraces the idea that Marcel exists online. Like Marcel is like Dean allows this character to, you know, be around more than just himself and the mm-hmm. way that takes form, which leads to what I think is a very funny series of events as far as how far this goes with marcel's popularity yeah um i really appreciate that <laughs> like it just gave me a a really warm feeling inside as far as like how you know who i'm talking about it's like they they get a person in here that yeah. i did not expect to be involved in this sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and i really like that <laughs> yeah like it, it's it's really nice that they had that sort of segment in that movie too or in this movie but you know even like the clips of like conan o'brien calling it out and whatever because like you know marcel's kind of like she he's been popular um for for uh, a bit which um, i find and that's what i find interesting like it's yeah it's not like they had to generate this stuff for the Correct. sake of the movie they've had 10 years of time exactly for this thing to build up in its own way and the way that yeah. the movie uses that to its advantage i thought was clever yeah i would agree because i think that there's also this sense of um you know from the trailers you kind of get a sense that that you know there's there's a sense of longing of of trying to fit in um and a sense of community and uh, even like sometimes like a sense of like emotional uh there are like emotional stakes in the trailer what I really found and appreciated about like the entire sequence of her getting pop- him, I keep saying her because it's yeah, Jenny Slate, Slate. Voices, yeah. but, it's Marcel. but Marcel is a, is a, is a boy. Um, but what I enjoyed about Marcel and kind of like his journey is that 
he also has realizations, you know, yeah. like these YouTube things. He's like, oh, he's reading through like tons of comments and because he's trying to hope for the best about trying to find um, additional extended family members. And he's just like, oh, this isn't the actual kind of like help that I was thinking that I was going to get. And that kind of speaks to like um, sort of like the, the fostering of real relationships and connections, which is a theme throughout the entire movie. Um, even with like with Dean and being questioned about his own his own personal life. There's some but, good stuff with him and Dean as far as, mm-hmm. you know, Marcel presents himself with a certain way and he's not he's certainly not dim, but like, mm-hmm. you know, he's certainly he can be naive or limited because it's a shell. Yeah. So like yeah. when it gets to these points where Marcel suddenly challenges Dean, that's also I really also appreciated those points. Yeah, <laughs> I mean even, even Connie, um, Connie as well, Dean. voiced by Isabella Rossellini. I, I know. <laughs> I was like, who is voicing this? And then I, I watched the the credits. Like, oh my gosh, this is such a good pickup. Uh, but I think that there's really some really genuine questions being asked about what is intimacy, what is what is like, how do you live your life kind of thing? And I, it's really fun. But, you know, just to finish up the end of the point about like all the YouTube comments is like, you know, it doesn't stop with like just her, him reading comments. It kind of continues with just how it can become a little bit overwhelming because it's all about other things that people find are of interest in their own lives, whether that be taking a photo in front of the house that Marcel lives in or just doing a whole bunch of other stuff that isn't useful or fruitful to himself. Um, and the journey that he's trying to go on. And I think that, that this is sort of like one of those hidden things about just talking about, you know, A24 being really smart about um, saying this movie has other things that it's going for. It has like a more universal message about uh, finding yourself, being on your own journey, really loving um, your own life and living it and not really kind of giving into all the, the grandness of what, what, could be specks of gold, but instead are just um, false, false gold, false gold. I don't know. False gold, gold, false gold. It, I agree with you. And to backtrack a bit, like it is going, like the way it is going at this sort of looking at this character and pointing out, like, you know, making it clear how anyone can kind of, you know, have their own journey or what have you. It's something I very much, it's a reason why I very much enjoy Paddington or Wally mm-hmm. for that matter, because it's, yeah. it's one thing to like have fun with them on their adventure and see how they grow as characters. But it, 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 when it comes to like how to be, how to have a heartwarming feeling from a movie, these are the kind of characters that do that for me best. Ones yeah. that I I'm observing them interacting with the world around them and the world is not trying to challenge them, but instead is embracing them and becoming as curious as they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's rather special because there is, it, 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 it's easy to, you know, if you want to be negative, it's not hard to do that. It's not right. hard to take something down if you need to feel that way. It doesn't make it good, but it's certainly, you know, that's, that's not the challenge. The challenge is wanting to embrace something and exploring that and going further with it and a, a character like paddington or a character like wally or a character like marcel is not one that's sitting there not doing anything instead they want to do everything that they can mm-hmm. they see this and they and and because of that they people around because of how these screenplays are constructed they've chosen to let these people want to be in on that same kind of joy and i 
yeah. that's that's why I can like a movie like this in the same way that I can like a movie like Paddington, the same way that I like a movie like Wally. Yeah. And that's I you don't get that too often. So when I do get that, it does have this extra special feeling to me because I genuinely yeah. I, I feel like happy <laughs> like yeah. that, that, that these characters exist and they make other people happy around them. Right. Yeah. And I was gonna say, like, this is not like uh, an unknown storyline. This is a classic hero's journey of just like uh, uh, if you want to take Star Wars, for example, like, oh, a boy who's like stuck on Tatooine, who strives, who strives and yearns for more, but is kind of like afraid. And then um, things have happened to him that allow him to go on and become who he's going to become. Same kind of story here. It's just that, like, you know, again, when things are done well and they're done with like intent and emotion, um, it really translates to the screen. And again, there's there's really somber moments in here, whether that's just meaning of life and kind of um, beautiful, beautiful um, cinematography, just as people are reading poems or um, playing music, you know, and really like fun, genuine thing. Like it just feels like a lived in world, which is, again, strange to say, because it's a fucking shell <laughs> that is like one inch tall with shoes on with, with an eyeball. Um, but it really translates to people's emotions. And again, I got emotional at times and my theater definitely got emotional at times as well. So it, it really works out really, really, really sweetly. Here's the other thing that we haven't even hinted at. Um, this is an animated movie. <laughs> like, is that true? I mean, it's a stop animated movie. Okay. Yeah. Yes. There's not a real shell. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> What? But I, I feel like... I, <laughs> I, I so buy into Marcel, the character, right away, whether it's because of the documentary format that they're going with or just because stop motion has a certain kind of unique, tangible feel to it to begin with. Mm -hmm. But, like, I very quickly stopped questioning, like, the, you know, the filmmaking aspect of making Marcel come to life and just accepted this as a thing that exists. Sure. And that's a that's a special kind of movie magic, I think, where you're not, at least I wasn't in the moment, concerned with, the you know, the the special effect in front of me and just yeah. more focused on Marcel as a, you know, a being <laughs> that exists and talks sure. and has things to say. Yeah. I mean, nothing really to add there. I definitely agree. I have a question for you though. Yeah. Um, you had asked earlier this year about neon versus a 24. Um, is this sort of bolstering your answer of a 24? I, I mean, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it's it's the kind of thing where you know they they were when I okay I'll put it this way, you know a two I I not that there's a certain kind of movie that only can be a twenty four, but like when it comes to their releases, they're generally you know challenging in ways that gear more towards R rated or adult content. You know, mm -hmm. as far as the kind of you know the kind of characters are being presented with, the kind of journeys they're going on. And so to see an A24 film that is focused in a very PG world, that's, you know, very much about innocence and doing things like that. That's not something that is, feels as familiar to me when it comes to an A24 movie. Um, there have been others. There's The Farewell. There's After Yang. Uh, these are movies that, yes, they do capitalize on different kinds of emotions that play not as a four quadrant thing, but certainly, you know, you don't need to be an adult necessarily to watch the movie. Um, and so like in that regard, I appreciate seeing a studio like A24 like embracing that more. And sure, I you know, I don't neon has like more family friendly documentaries or whatnot, but they all you know they they still largely traffic and you know a lot of you know films that are made for adults to watch. 
Um, so it's like if AC4 has a more universal approach to their content going forward, and it's movies like this that are going to be existing alongside films like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is R, but I mean, it's still pretty friendly outside, like as far as the kind of movie it is. Right. Uh, like, cool, good for them. Good. That's that's a that's a that's a fun step to see being taken as far as where they are as a studio. Yeah. Okay. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, it does. And you sort of answered my my follow up question, which is like, how is AP4 this year for you as well? And it seems like. You named you named all the releases this year. Like, the the three main ones. I'm trying to. I'm positive on on all three. So yeah, I mean, in a general like you know, no studios flawless or they they have, but like from what from what they've delivered this year so far, I'm I'm very much I'm very much enjoyed the A24 output. Yeah, A24 has won Oscars or no? Yeah, okay. I mean, Moonlight's the best picture winner. Moonlight, yeah. <laughs> Among other, yeah, they, they've 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 had, they they had have, like a ton of nominations. They have, yeah, they have their okay. share of movies that have won awards for okay. sure. Ex Machina won Best Visual Effects. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I, I guess like not to take away from Ex Machina, but you know, of, of like the Best Picture. Oh yeah, I mean, you got Moonlight. I mean, <laughs> there are major studios that don't have Best Picture winners. So of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aaron and Abe Studios. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like we both say definitely go see Marcel in a theater if you can. I would. Yeah, I would definitely watch it with like an audience. And I was lucky that my audience was, um, mm-hmm. you know, just really into it. And um, I think that there's going to be a lot of satisfaction when you when you when you watch it. I I agree. Uh, X was also a two four this year. As far as oh, that, that's go. the um, the horror the horror movie. yeah the slasher yeah. movie yeah okay. slasher yeah yeah. Um, Okay, so we talked about Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've talked about some movies here. Um, coming very soon is Comic Con. Neither Abe or I are going to be at Comic Con, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> largely because Abe is just too cool for it. Um, no, but <laughs> probably because I live like four hundred miles away from San Diego. That doesn't that doesn't stop people from going to Comic Con. No, it doesn't. Yeah, people from across, from across <laughs> the country, all over the world. And Terrence dresses up every year. He's made it. He's made costumes. Exactly. Uh, with all with all of that in mind, um, there there is um, something we wanted to go over a bit because uh, Marvel Studios, the you know Kevin Feige himself, they they will be appearing back in Hall H, the big hall of Comic Con, to deliver a big marvel presentation as far as like what's to come or what have you now we, we've talked about this recently with thor as far as what where we expect the mcu to be going what where is this all leading to what have you and presumably uh, i believe it's next week if i'm not mistaken or two weeks yeah no next week uh we'll get we'll get some answers as far as like you know not only like what movies are coming who's going to be cast in certain movies or whatnot but like what direction the mcu is headed as far as like what they want this you know phase four and five and presumably six to lead up to as far as these kind of big major movie events um i thought it'd be fun if we could do like maybe some predictions okay as to to what to expect uh from some of this and so like the 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 one thing i want to lead off with for sure um is that fantastic four has been on the docket like that's been on their schedule as far as something that's definitely happening but we have no idea like who's directing or starring in this movie it was going to be john watts directing for a while uh but then he's like i got all this spider-man money i don't need to do this anymore <laughs> I, I, I don't know exactly what the reason he also was. he also loves like independent rom-coms so uh but regardless 
he's no longer attached. So we, okay. and I'm aware this is for sure going to be happening. There's going to be an announcement that's going to, you know, it's going to announce who's directing Fantastic Four and who is cast as the new Fantastic Four. Yeah. So I'm throwing the question to you, Abe. Who, who would you want to be cast as the Fantastic Four? You know, this is a really good question and, and something that I've, I've sort of been pondering since we had all like the Reed Richards stuff with um, a one or Multiverse of Madness um, and everything that's kind of been coming out. And I think that it, sort of, I guess, to backtrack on the MCU and, and the question of where does this all going and, and what it's leading to. Like if we did have the the introduction of the Fantastic Four and maybe like even like a Secret Wars type of situation um, or something like that where it's more of like an ensemble thing and you had to have like these independent movies before you had like the, the big culmination of things. I think that it would be really fun and interesting to cast Dev Patel as Mr. Fantastic. Huh. Like it would just be like, you know, he's a leading actor. If you haven't seen The Green Knight, check out The Green Knight. Um, does he look like he's a smart guy? Yes. Does he look like he's like physically imposing at times? Possibly, but also Miss Fantastic is just like a really stretchy guy who's like really strong and smart, smartest man in the universe. I think that that'd be a really interesting casting choice. Like I, I the other reason why that comes up is because somebody had asked me like, if they had redone X-Men, who would you cast? I'm like, I think I would want Def Patel as Cyclops, but sort of for the same reasons. Like he seemed like a good leader, but also like kind of like a straight edge at times. Um, and then... Uh, again, leading man type of material where you could add something to it. That's what I would go for. As far as like the other people go, like Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, and The Thing, I don't actually know. I think like for The Thing, I think we should cast like a really, like all of these should be prestige actors. <laughs> uh, but I, I haven't given much thought to the other three, but I think it'd be really wise to just be like, you know, we're going to go, we're going to, like if we're going to go for a tone change here, and we want to go into what we're going to say we're, or we're going to build up for, for phase four, or maybe like even beyond. Let's go for some really like home run style hits of legit dramatic actors, make these things as good as possible so that when you get to the ensemble pieces and the culmination pieces, um, they just become much that much more meaningful. Like, you know, we can get into other things that we want to, but who would you be casting as your fantastic four? Well, not John Krasinski is one of my answers. <laughs> I'm on the same page. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I have nothing against the guy uh, beyond his giant nose. But I, I feel like if there is one way to prove that he wouldn't be good in Fantastic Four, it's by watching Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Be like, yeah, you, this is a really boring choice. To yeah. look like, and he just doesn't look like this guy. He doesn't look like the smartest man alive. <laughs> He looks like John Krasinski. He looks like a guy from Boston <laughs> who's going to talk to me about a Hyundai commercial about mm-hmm. self-parking cars. Uh, but no, I, honestly, as, as far as who um, some of the, because I don't have thoughts on all of these, but if, yeah. if they're a Mr. Fantastic, I saw this somewhere online and I thought, actually, that's kind of perfect. Uh, William Jackson Harper uh, for Mr. Fantastic. He's in The Good Place as Cheaty. Uh, he's also in Midsummer. Who's he uh, playing in Midsummer? One of the... <laughs> one of the one of the call one of the one of the college guys that goes on yeah. not, not will poulter okay not not the jerk boyfriend yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know who you're talking about yeah. Yeah, yeah um but i i saw i saw that and i was like that's that would actually like for one thing i could believe the idea of him being this intelligent yeah but also he's still on the younger side like he's, he's older than me but i mean like you know what i'm saying like he's not like an yeah. old man he's not a, he's not super young he's just kind of like there's this 
there's something there that fits where I saw that. It's like, actually, that that would be an interesting casting choice. And from there, like, I try to extrapolate. It's like, okay, so where do you do, where do you go? And also because you have Jonathan Majors as Kang and presumably, well, he's, I mean, he's Kang and Loki. He is uh, in Loki, but we haven't seen it in like in the cinematic. I mean, he was cast when he was cast. Is we we've cast Jonathan Majors yeah, as Kang. Sure. That was the and he's though he'll be an Ant Man. But regardless, the thing there is that Reed Richards is related to Kang. Like that's the whole thing in the comics. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, okay. So that means if if I'm looking at this right, that makes me think that Marvel wants Reed, 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 Reed Richards to be black. Which is like, mm-hmm. okay, that for one thing, you know, interesting. Uh, I've <laughs> I've gotten to see choices being made that go outside the box, let alone, yeah. you know challenge certain things so then from there it's like okay so do you have like interracial couple or do you have like another black actor or do you have any other kind of actor like there's Mm -hmm. a a, so many variety of choices you go with i don't have that answer yet i haven't thought hard enough about like what that would be um but then it's like okay so then we have sue storm and johnny storm the brother and sister so where do you go from there it's like this is i'm very curious what that's going to be the thing though gosh the thing like there's so many (laughs) who are you thinking <laughs> or actually, I say, who are you thinking? <laughs> um, it's tough because, like, do you go old with the thing, or do you go like the same? Because they tried that with what's his name with Billy Elliot. Um, uh, yeah, 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 Jamie Bell, Jamie, Jamie Bell, Bell yeah. for the thing. Like, of the war. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, that I mean, that's a that 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 what I I despite that movie. I did think that was a fun choice. Like he has a sort of demeanor yeah. that I can get behind. But then I'm like, well, do you just get like a just like a veteran guy to be this thing? And it's like, I don't know. Do you get like a Statham in there? You already have Vin Diesel, so that's not Here, gonna be a thing. Yeah. Like, you're gonna go for like a, an action movie known quantity. Like someone that's because the thing's like he's not dumb, but he's still kind of like a lunkhead. So it's like, do you get do you get a guy that's just like in that kind of realm like doesn't yeah. you know you're not requiring as much so so remember how i was like oh i would go dramatic you know who i was thinking hmm. jesse Plemons. see what see i could see it because of like his look like it's got like he had you can i think he could pull that kind of thing but he's yeah yeah he, he give me like he could give me sad jesse Plemons. Uh-huh. um but like you know things didn't really work out for me I, i'm like a giant rock monster but then also like he seems like he could kill somebody too so mm. yeah oh you know what for, for johnny storm uh glenn powell glenn powell could be a johnny storm he's, he's the ostentatious it. type of personality yeah he's i mean okay. he's he's he can the same way that chris evans is, i mean which is johnny storm in general as far as the kind of impetuous personality like yeah i okay. could i could see glenn powell pulling that kind of thing off yeah i can see it too i mean he, he's already like probably been working on the body look <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we saw Top Gun. He's already, of course. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I can see, I can see it happening. I mean, he's already like flying around, so yeah, it makes sense. Just set him on fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we'll we'll know more in a week from now. We'll, we'll be, I mean, literally, like next weekend when we talk about Nope, we'll like right. We'll have to revisit this as well. I will be, I will be curious because of um, again, D twenty three is they're they're not having they're not announcing it there. They're announcing it here um, at Comic Con. Yeah um other things to expect uh from this i mean i'm sure we'll get more on black panther 2 we'll get some kind of reveal uh we'll get we'll get you know probably the first footage and then probably an understanding of what their intent is as far as we don't have t'challa so this is what we're doing to compensate 
Uh, and I'm right. certainly very curious what that is. And uh, I just want to briefly add that it's it's been such a journey for Black Panther Part Two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what with like the teacher right, and then now you have like Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, and then again, the largest thing is just the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Um, but it's just been like it seems like it's been a really tough road for that movie. And I, Ryan Coogler, I have full faith. Everything that he's done has been fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. It's gonna. It's presumably supposed to come out in the end of this year. Yeah. yeah, and we haven't seen stills from it, so maybe they're just really. Um, I, I'm. I'm hoping for the best, but because they don't have to show you anything. Like it's I, a, I would agree, but also like, at the same time, I'm just like you know, in terms of like fan teasing, whatever else. But I, I will say that I, I'm more so. My my comment is just that more power to, to Ryan Coogler because it's just been a it's been such a, a journey, like a tough journey for him uh, with this movie, um, with everything that's been going on minus like the COVID situation just seems like it's been like a hell type of production. It's the kind of thing where like, if he wanted to quit, he could have, you know, so I, I wouldn't like, have blamed him either. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the fact that he's still on this, like I, you know, wow. I, I have no reason not to have faith in whatever he wants to cook up here. As yeah. far as like, it's like, it's coming out in November and there's, you know, two, there's already two Marvel movies, let alone like at least two TV, three TV shows before black panther 2 so it's like they don't have to show you anything <laughs> like it's a movie that's gonna make money yeah they don't need to advertise it until they feel like it which i sure. assume would come you know in comic-con next week we'll see something for sure i hope that it yeah i hope that it's it's been worth our wait we'll uh we'll probably get footage from like blade uh and the next ant-man movie just because they've been shooting those so we'll probably mm-hmm. get something in that regard and i got yeah i mean presumably more on the tv front as far as like whatever like the because i know they're they're filming loki season two so like the, right loki, i've seen some stills of that there's um, more what if so that you know probably get some hints of what what more they're going to do in that world yeah and they've been the and uh what she hulk of course so we get probably more she hulk as well right the most uh, recent thing is just that they've been said like see this is the real this is how the real visual effects look um and people have been like okay i guess it looks better yeah all right we'll see <laughs> it all shakes out Oh, the marvels right the marvels the other one that's been shooting as well sure uh, but the big thing i guess would be like whatever there if there's like an avengers movie announcement of some kind that's i think the thing that would be you know revealed in some capacity like even if it's not for a while i imagine that that would be like the you know one of their big cards that they got to play like here's where it's all heading to avengers colon this sure the, re- I, my- the, re- the return of tommy lee jones I mean, I wouldn't be mad if he if he shows up as a as a the giant uh, floaty head guy, Modok. But uh, okay. I uh, he looks like a Modok. Uh, no, but for with regard to that, like I, we've had this discussion for quite a while with almost every MCU movie that we've just we've reviewed on the show with all of our um, our guests, and I I just even if they were to reveal something now, I don't know. My enthusiasm is just more of just you know it's pretty it's pretty uh it's it's at a like uh, an even point right now and even if they were to say like well this is what it's going to build towards like i guess that's something but i don't know i i have faith in kevin feige and kind of where he's going but uh, it's difficult for me to sort of be really really up on the idea of like well this is what we're going to go toward and see this is how all of it works out it's like who knows like I, i'm excited for it but i'm also just like fairly fairly um cautiously optimistic i mean i i'm excited for it in the sense that 
it'll make people just shut up about not having a plan or something. Sure. It's like, here, there it is. We can, yeah. it won't be people stop talking about it, but at least it's like, well, <laughs> you can't say they didn't have it. Sure. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's like from an excitement level of these movies, it's, you know, we talk, we talk about the movies when they come out there. Some of them are better than others. They don't often make my, I mean, only I think one of them is made my top 10 list, which is Black Panther. So it's like, it's not like I'm holding these in super high regard. It's a matter of, hey, these are generally entertaining films that I like for the most part, think about for the week that they come out and when we talk about it, and then I move on with my life. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's you know, it, it, is it fun to talk about these things? Yeah, sure. It depends. It's fun to talk about a lot of things. So yeah. it's. I, 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 I mean, we only... just spent like an hour talking about Marcel the Shell with Susan. Exactly. <laughs> so. And and way too long talking about um, where uh, the crowd heads. Where the crowd heads. Fun watch! <laughs> <laughs> the people that, that you could root for in that movie, even though they do stupid things and, and like run away just like children. <laughs> Go watch. Next week we'll be back here. Uh, right, I know for a friend of the show, Terrence Johnson is, is going to be joining us for Nope, and he'll have been at Comic Con. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll have plenty to say, and we'll have, have various opinions on on the things that go down, whatever, sure. whatever, whatever is. Revealed. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of like making a mental note for us to, to sort of talk about like a, a larger Marvel uh, situation later down the line. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are some. So some Marvel predictions. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see where it's things good shake to have out. Like the little notes update or news update for sure. But we we didn't want to leave you with just that. <laughs> so <laughs> for the end of this show, we thought we'd bring back what we started with the episode five hundred, our movie scene readings, where <laughs> we Abe and I uh, do very dry, very very <laughs> fresh readings. On yeah, was classic like- scenes for movies. I was like, I wasn't being dry in my readings, but it's definitely fresh. So, uh, okay. okay. Uh, so for this line reading, uh, you want to set up the first one? Yeah. Okay. So Where we, it's we from, and then okay. So we got a couple line. We got a couple scenes here. We're gonna do two scenes. The first scene is from 2008's The Dark Knight from director mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan, and this is a <laughs> this is the the climactic scene featuring Batman and the Joker, uh, the the final the final exchange that they have. Is any particular reason why you chose this one? Like, is this playing in your mind like every other day? I mean, I, I really like I, I I like Batman and Joker speaking in that movie because they only have like two like two scenes to get like maybe three. Okay, oh, like fascinating. Three. They're not yeah. there are not many scenes of them together. Sure. Uh, so this is you know their final one, and I I just I do like the especially because he's like hanging upside down in the scene and he's uh-huh. still like he's basically trying to rub it in, in um Batman's face that he's still kind of one. Uh, so it's just it's a lot of good stuff here yeah uh, with that said abe i want you to play the joker you do <laughs> yes i do <laughs> i was hoping to play batman just go, go grab a voice on you okay all right i'll, I'll be your joker <clears throat> okay okay um, so on the action three yeah. two one action oh you you just couldn't let me go could you this is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, Aaron! You truly are incredible, aren't you? You wouldn't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness, and I won't kill you because it's just too much fun! I think you and I are destined to do this forever! You'll be in a padded cell forever. Maybe, maybe we can share one! You know, they'll be doubling up! The rain the city's inhabitants is losing their minds! This city just showed you that it's full of people ready to believe in good. 
until you break their spirits completely. Until they get a good look at you at the real Harvey Dent and all the heroic things that he's done. You didn't think I'd risk losing the battle for Gotham's soul in a fist fight with you? No! You need an ace in the hole. Mine's Harvey. What did you do? I took Gotham's White Knight and I brought him down to our level. It wasn't hard, you see? Madness, as you know, it's like gravity. All it takes is a little push. <laughs> <laughs> And scene. You gotta hand that up. That's pretty good. <laughs> Congrats. All right. I chose this next scene here. This is from Magnolia. Every time I pass by our pharmacy, all I think about is what Julianne Moore says. And of course, you're gonna be Julianne Moore, and I'm gonna be the pharmacy tech in this situation. In 1999, it's Magnolia for B. Thomas Anderson. Yes, exactly. From <laughs> I have PTA, to do this our, scene. Our favorite. Uh, you, our favorite. You uh, just director. threw this on here, so this is gonna be really fresh. <laughs> here we go. <clears throat> strong, strong stuff here. What exactly uh, do you have wrong? You need all this stuff, motherfucker. What are you talking about? Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck do you think you are? I come in here, you don't know me. You don't know who I am, what my life is. You have the balls, the indecency to ask me a question about my life. Please, lady, why don't you calm down? Fuck you too, don't call me lady. I come in here, I give these things to you, you check, you make your phone calls, look suspicious, ask questions. I'm sick. I have sickness all around me, and you fucking ask me about my life. What's wrong? Have you seen death in your bed, in your house? Where's the fucking decency? And then you ask me fucking questions. What's wrong? You suck, Martin. <laughs> That's what's wrong. And you, you fucking call me lady? Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you both. And scene. <laughs> Every time I smash my encounter, I'm always thinking, don't call me lady. That was a really good. That was a really good, Julianne Moore. Jeez. <laughs> good job, Aaron. Good job. Kudos. Those applause. are certainly us reading scenes from yeah. movies. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you really stuck it to uh, you. You you embodied that character. It's a it's a good scene. Toward <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the climax of the movie. <laughs> okay. Well. Now I think we can close this episode up. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now Third and Eight. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazeek.com, where everything I do can be found there, as well as um, why we live entertainment for my movie reviews and why so blue for my Blu-ray and Criterion reviews, some stuff for variety occasionally, and I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag, do you know why I smile so much? Because it's worth it. You can find all the other episodes about Now There and Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HSWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Or check out our Facebook, Facebook.com slash an underscore podcast. Or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, there's our Facebook page, or sorry, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. And yeah, that uh, next week's show, next week we'll be talking Jordan Peele's Nope. Finally. <laughs> Your most, anticipated, your most anticipated movie of the summer yeah <laughs> like let, let alone like 
certainly in the top five for the year. I can't wait to see this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we'll be talking about Nope. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Bye.